Good morning, church. Those who are here and those who are at home. <clears throat> good to see those who are here and good to know those that are at home are hopefully enjoying their Sunday morning in peace. You're not missing much weather-wise. <clears throat> as, uh, as Mike mentioned uh, during our announcements, uh, the keys are normally here and they've had a terrible time of it lately. Just a lot going on. I'm sure um, that it's happening for other people too. And one of the things we, we love to do as a congregation is be able to pray for those that are hurting, lost, confused, uh, trying to figure out which way's up, how we're going to find good in this. Um, uh, so if you ever need prayer, man, you're not sure who to turn to for prayer. You're not, I'm not even a member of the church, but I sure would like someone to pray for you. Office of Calvary Heights, uh, we'd be more than happy to pray. We meet several times a week in small groups, um, and we, we, we lift up any number of prayer requests. Um, it's serious business. We take it seriously. We're called to bring these things before the Lord and seek Him uh, earnestly in that. So it's an honor to do it. And so if you ever need prayer, just let us know, and we'd love to be able to lift it up for you. Today we'll be in uh, 1 Corinthians again, chapter 12. Um, we kind of pivot today. He's been talking, uh, the, the last couple sermons here were about head coverings, and then we did the Lord's Supper, kind of this idea of behaviors within the church. And now we're talking about kind of like behaviors within us, spiritual gifts. Uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to talk about something that I think is, um, in many regards, misunderstood even today, of what, why, why do we have spiritual gifts, what do they mean, and what do we do with them? So it's a lot of scripture today. I've kind of warned everybody I'm going to try to be uh, tactfully brief and, and make sure that I cover the, the high points of this, but this, it's a pretty long chapter, but it all connected so well I couldn't figure out how to break it apart, so... If you've got your Bibles, please follow along. If not, it'll be up on the screen, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the, names, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to, to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit... We are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God, ar God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are part, now you, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for scripture like this that uh, maybe reads pretty clearly when you go through it the first time, and maybe a couple exceptions, and when you start maybe to think of those exceptions, or you study that, or you try to understand more comprehensively what's being said, it it opens up into maybe even a whole nother depth of understanding, Lord. Um, this passage is very challenging. For me, in, in study and preparation, I, I think spiritual gifts, Lord, you know, uh, obviously is the bestower of these gifts that um, we have nothing to do with them, Lord. And help us not to get too caught up in what we see fit, what we deem good, uh, what we expect from ourselves and from others when it comes to the gifting of the Spirit and how those should be wielded, Lord. Help us to, to rely on your word in your Holy Spirit, in all things spiritual, including gifts bestowed and services rendered by those gifts, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to study and gather together. It's in your sons, I may pray. Amen. All right. I start with a chapter for the ages, and I don't mean to say like some of these other chapters are irrelevant. That's not what I mean, but I, I think this chapter requires very little adaptation for the modern church. We don't deal a lot with head coverings. We take the Lord's Supper in a vastly different way than they did, but the notion of spiritual gifting and its efficacy and purpose is exactly the same. God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us gifts to do something with, and the same something that they needed to do then is what we need to do now. Penultimately, our something is to glorify God. Context is important. It always is, but the context is I don't think is any different here. We don't need to say, now, back in the ancient Jewish days, spirituality was far different. It was in some regards, but this, same stuff. The, the real question here is, as people join and grow in a church, how do we grow? What do we expect when we say growth? And Paul's going to address for whom we grow. And this is a real game changer. Is the goal just to become better for ourselves, become more spiritual, accrue endless gifts? I want all of them like a collection. Or is there a bigger purpose here, as you might expect there is? So Paul jumps right in. Spiritual gifts were an issue then, just as they are now. There are lots of people that claim gifts. There was lots of spiritual things that were happening then, just as today. Paul's talking about the truth of these gifts, and he starts in the same place. When you were pagans, you went along with your leaders no matter what they did, talking to mute servants. Like, it didn't even matter, right? He's denigrating the pagan gods, of course. They say nothing. They do nothing. But you followed along. You just did what you were told. As Christians, we have a way to measure our leader's commands. 
We don't have to follow anybody blindly. You do not have to take my word for any of this. God's word is transcendent, far more than anything I'll ever say. And if I say something that's in contrast to God's word, or perhaps standing opposed to it, then you have a way to say, this is, this is a lie. I'm not going to follow that. That's not true. Even if I seem to be gifted in some regard, it doesn't matter. So how can we know? I think Paul breaks it down pretty nicely, maybe a little oversimplified to our, our brains. Uh, but if you follow along here, I think it's kind of cool how this all works out. Nobody can curse the name of Jesus in the Spirit, and nobody can lift high the name of Jesus without the Spirit. That's kind of, kind of my summary there. What Paul says is, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So if you're speaking in the Spirit of God, you can't say Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So I guess we could say, quite literally, Paul's not speaking in the Spirit of God because he just said Jesus is accursed. Right? So this kind of literal nonsense is what gets everybody upset. The point here is not those three words are some sort of magical thing. Right? Anything said or done that curses the name of Jesus is bad. You will not do that. Nobody will do that in, in the Spirit. The Spirit cannot curse the name of Jesus. Can't do it. Anything that's said or done that lifts the name of Jesus is good. Now, I don't want to speak for everybody here, but I heard some good people Say some things that would, would perhaps curse the name of Christ. They've, taken some, they've made some decisions that tarnished their witness. Maybe even some people reflected that on how all Christians are or that Jesus isn't even a thing because of their bad behavior. And I've also seen some pretty scumbaggy people that I would say don't even know who the Lord is. Their actions, they have, they're unrepentant. They just don't care. They're very, very worldly. Do or say something that's very truthful about the nature of Christ. The nature of Christians, perhaps. Now, this doesn't mean that we're going to try to watch what we say because we don't want to fall into one of these two camps. What it means is, as we discern the world around us, as we look at what people are up to, if there's somebody that claims to have a bunch of spiritual gifts, but what they do curses the name of Christ, we should be aware that that's not from the Spirit. That is not from the Spirit. Careful treading in that area. And if there's somebody that maybe we have some disagreements with or we're having struggles with, maybe it's a personality conflict, maybe we feel... Uh, that they're not handling things the right way, but they're doing things that are lifting the name of Jesus on high, maybe we should be considerate of that and understand what that means. Maybe we need to do some, some, uh, some introspective consideration. We need to discern ourselves. We talked about this in our small group. We need to be thoughtful. Maybe we're in the wrong. Maybe what we're doing is cursing the name of Christ because we think we're, we want to be right rather than loving. So it seems simple. That's it. We're done. It seems simple. That's it. Let's pray. No. Then Paul pivots into gifts. So he's talked a little bit about discernment. And it, it, it parallels nicely with gifts because as we all know, I mean, this story goes all the way back to, you know, Moses, right? Where Pharaoh trots out his uh, sorcerers and has them emulate the work of, of, the work of God. Everybody, I'm sure, has seen televangelists that, you know, now the, 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 the curtain was revealed that they had somebody who was, you know, reading over people's admission forms. They filled out a form to come to the conference, and they listed the things that were going on, the prayer requests they had. And they would radio it up to a pastor, pastor in quotes. Um, and he would say, does anybody here, anybody here who has a first name Jay, married to somebody named Chris? Oh, my wife looked up. Oh, my gosh. Right. Maybe, 
Maybe they know somebody who's gone through some real struggles this weekend. Oh, I do. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. He's got a spiritual gift. Am I lifting the name of Christ on high? No, I'm not. I'm doing nothing about that. I'm trying to make it look like it's magic. So just because something looks like a spiritual gift, it doesn't mean so. Gifts are very, very tricky. And, 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 and Paul, I think, once again, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. So be aware, there's a lot. But this is not where we stop as believers. Lots of us do. For a long time, this notion of spiritual gifts, we want to just stop there. Give us the gifts. We'll take the survey. We're joking about this. I'll fill out a bunch of questionnaires. You'll tell me what my gifts are, and that's my gifts. Come on, don't be, you know, don't be nursery. Ooh, good news, spiritual gift in the nursery. Oh, but I don't want to do nursery. Too bad. That's the gifting, and that won't change. So into the nursery you go. Okay. I don't feel very gifted. That's what the testing revealed. So what we want are gifts that benefit us. When we talk about the season of gift giving, uh, there's a kind of a running joke, at least, uh, certainly as, as being a husband, that you don't buy your wife appliances or dishes or things like this. That's a job. That's not much of a gift. Now, as you're married for a while, you do buy those kinds of things together because it does improve the quality of your life. But as a gift goes, we almost have this idea that it needs to be something that's just perfectly self-serving. I want something that I'll enjoy. You buy me something for me. When we look at spiritual gifts, there's a tendency, especially here in America, in the modern world, to say, this spiritual gift is from God to me, something that I'll enjoy and treasure. So if my gifting is to work with, the, with young kids and I don't care for young kids, well, that ain't much of a gift. And I don't want that gift, and I'll send it back. I'm a re-gifter, sell it on eBay or something and look for a better gift for me. This is what we do in churches endlessly. Let me share my gift with you, then you can do the job I don't want, then I'll go cram a, a, an area that I'm not gifted in and just make it work because I think it's more illustrious or more exciting for me. It's something I think I want to do, but I still don't understand why I'm doing it. The gifts that keep on giving the whole year. Man, how about that? Tis the season for that joke. But, but, but Paul's going to break this down a little bit. Yes, we get gifts. But what's right on the varieties of gifts? There's many varieties of service to the same Lord. Many varieties of activities to the same God. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That would be the spiritual gifts he's talking about. The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. These gifts are not for us. They are for others to glorify God. I wish I could tell you I've heard this about spiritual gifts my whole life, but I have not. These are the three verses that immediately follow him saying, there are many varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, varieties of activities. We are given the manifestation of Spirit for the common good. Paul is begging us. He's imploring us to understand. We will have preachers. We'll have teachers. We'll have believers. We'll have healers, miracle workers, prophets, spiritual advisors. We'll have those that speak and interpret new languages. They all come from one spirit for the glory of one God. They are not for us. They're not to make us look cool or be revered among men. They're not even to make this church look good. The gifts for others is so that others can understand the depth of what God has done through his son in our lives and can then ascribe to him the glory he is due. Not for us. These gifts 
are sort of like a washing machine. I want to do laundry, and I want to do it better. God says, here's a way. You're going to be able to do laundry better. But I don't really want to do laundry. Well, then you don't understand what this gift is for. You don't understand your purpose. I'm giving you a gift that's going to allow you to fulfill the, the ultimate purpose that I have for you, which is to glorify me by fulfilling the commission given to you. This is tricky stuff. I, I, I can't stress it enough. If it feels like oh, that all sounds good, but still now, now what? I mean, they're, they're a gift, but not like a gift. Like we think about it, and it's from the Spirit, but it may not be from the Holy Spirit. Now I've got to discern all this. And metaphor time, if, you, if you've known me for long, you know I love metaphors. I use them in my job all the time. I use them in life all the time. I love metaphors. I think they are a wonderful tool, and I'm thankful for them. And Paul, of course, jumps into a metaphor that's brilliant. The gifts are for the church like body parts are for the body. Now, I love this metaphor because it's so clear. In those days and in our day, we, can, we know how the body works. We know better than they know then, but it's only reinforced this. There's a lot of different parts in the body. Without any parts, there is no body. What is the human body? It's an amalgamation of parts. A body, it isn't even anything without the parts. If you take out all the organs and the skin and the brain and the bones and the muscle, you have nothing. We think of the, the human body as a thing, but it's only ever a bunch of parts. That is what the church is. The church is members. The church is not a building, it's not an idea, it's people, it's members in the church. There's no body without the parts, there's no church without the members. Now you might be thinking, how in the world does this tie into spiritual gifts? Well, Paul's going to get into that. We should not be separating based on role in the body. Now, we know that God has gifted us spiritually to do work in the body, but the church benefits from all the parts we have and need. A body of all eyes would be as useful as a church of all ushers. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Eyes and ushers, they're great. But a couple of each would do. I know this because we would have 18 eyes if that was better for us. But it's not. Two's fine. Just as God arranged our bodies also with our church. So if you've ever wondered why when we redid the church constitution, we focused on exactly what the Bible said and little else, that's why. We have no desire to try to engineer our church in a better or different way than what God prescribes in the Word because there's no sense in it. This would be like me having a fifth or a sixth or a nineteenth eye. It may seem good on paper, but I'm going to be working really, really hard to make something happen that isn't necessary, isn't going to be for my good. Likewise, we should appreciate all the parts. I'll be honest, the colon's job, pretty crappy, but we would die without it, all right? I got bad news for you. If you don't poop, you will die. That's how it works. Now, I don't want to talk about the church needing to poop or, to, or not die, right? That's, that's maybe not a perfect metaphor, unlike Paul's here, but the reality is there are, and he talks about the same thing, there are, there are illustrious things in the human body, and there are things that are immodest in the human body that we cover, because we, we don't want to be showing those things off. There are things that we, we cover because they um, are, are unsightly, like perhaps the colon, right? But it is very necessary. It's the exact same thing with those that take on lowly positions in the church body. 
We need to understand that there are some jobs, there are some parts of the, of the, of the body of Christ that maybe do things that we generally know just kind of have to be done. Has anybody ever had to deal with that in real life? Well, it's got to be done. It's no picnic. But if we don't do it, something bad happens. Churches are the same way. This metaphor tells us this. There's going to be people that have to do the dirty jobs. And they shouldn't be ashamed of it. They shouldn't be put upon or feel like they're less than. They are very, very critical. And we should be appreciating them even more so, which is what Paul talks about. They deserve, in some regards, uh, the, the, the greater praise for the work that they do. It's very easy to be the one that everybody likes. I'm the one that hands out the cookies to the kids. <laughs> well, that's the part of kids' ministry I can get behind. Everybody loves the cookie guy. But if I'm the one that has to, 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 to hand them the third demerit or whatever or, or have them sign the paper, no, nobody wants to do that. Why? Well, no, he's, uh, that's an unsightly person. The kids hate them. The parents hate them. Nobody ever says, oh, good, the disciplinarian's here. Wonderful, Right? I know this from experience. Anybody ever driving and, and see a police car moving, your, moving behind you? What's the first thing you do? It's not, hey, good, a policeman. They're here to protect and serve. Brake. <laughs> what am I doing? What's my speed? Like I see that Right? It's the first thing we do. Why? Because we know what that means. Could the police pull me over and tell me to have a great day? I just noticed I liked your car. I saw you thought your haircut looked good. I saw you online. thought I'd say hello. I guess. I don't know. Maybe they can't do that legally, but they never do. <laughs> it's never happened to me. If I get pulled over by the police, it's never, I just want to tell you, you're driving great. Keep up the good work, citizen. It's always, I saw what you did back there. You know how fast you were going. You know how many stop signs you went through, right? Uh, well, I do. Sadly, I do. But that's, a, that's, a, that's the thing. We want the jobs. We want to be in this position where we feel good. And we want to be, we want to be we, nobody wants to take on the jobs that, that are, are not quite as uh, all-inducing, let's say. But we need to care for those. We need to care for the colons, just like we care for the eyes in the church. We need to care for the, the, the bottoms of the feet, the soles of the feet, just as we care for the, the head of the body, or the brain, or the, the tongue. These are all really, really, really important parts. An illness in one part can ruin the whole body. When I started working, there's an adage that I still use to this day. I was, I'm not, was not in the military but I worked for a lot of guys that were in the military, and they used military terms that I had to quickly adapt to. And this one time he pulled us into a room, and a guy was leaving the company, and he said, you've got to tell me when your feet are wet. And the whole team's like, ah, okay, got it. We'll let you know if our feet's wet. But the story there was, in a place like Vietnam, if, if your feet were wet, if your socks were wet, they changed your socks. And it was the the leadership's job to stop and we all change our socks to preserve the feet. The feet are critical. Eyes, ears, hands, all the things that operate the weapons, no one's shooting a gun at their feet. But if we can't move, if we are stalled because our, our feet are, have, have, have gone south and we can't, we can't effectively move as a unit, then we are no longer able to fulfill our mission. The commander's job is to stop and have everybody change their socks. But the job of the troop is to let them know my feet are wet. My socks are wet. Everybody stop. We change our socks. If I don't say a word, now it's on me. It's like that in the church. We need to be mindful of those that are going to have wet feet. When the feet need help, we've got to prop them up. Because if the feet go south and we don't take the time to care for the feet and the socks stay wet and all of a sudden they're, they're rubbed raw and they can't deal with it anymore and they're just done. I'm done. I'm out of here. Now the church has no feet. We're having troubles moving. Our mission is compromised. 
much easier for us to be careful, understanding, and know that there are people that are going to be gifted to be feet for the body of Christ, to move us around to new locations, encourage us to go. And we can't tell them to, no, not right now. We're too busy decorating the tongue again or whatever. Likewise, if, there's, if, there's, if, if failure is there, if illness is there, if there's pain there. I'm pretty sure everybody knows uh, if you ever had your back go out, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't realize how much I used my back. <laughs> like Every single thing I do hurts now. I can't stand up. I can't sit down. I can't lean to the left or the right. I can't take a deep breath. I can't lift my arms up. Pain felt in one part will be felt throughout. It radiates. It compromises everything. And when we, when we take this metaphor to its logical conclusion, we start thinking about what this means in the church. We have to be mindful of all the parts. We have to, as a body, as a body, care for the body. If you think about our body, my hand can care for my arm. It can soothe a sore foot. It can fix hair. It can wash. My body cleans my body. But it's not like the body itself. It's the hand, the fingers doing things, helping the colon out in some regards, not to get too graphic. But they all work together. And if the hand's like, I want nothing to do with the colon. Well, let me tell you, it's not going to be much of a picnic for a while. No one's going to be around the body that their hands have nothing to do with the colon. Pretty soon, like, "Uh, no thanks, that body's foul, right? Well, you know, but I'm too good for that. No, we've got to work together. And I know I don't want to be a colon. God's aware. Believe me, God's aware. Paul talks about this. But a colon is needed. The gift of colonhood is from God and for him, not us. But you didn't think you'd hear that sentence today. If you're called to move garbage out of the church, that is a gift from God. Well, it doesn't seem like a gift. Pray about that. I can tell you right now, as you do the other jobs, perhaps at the other end, as you t- to stand in the pulpit and preach, and you might think to yourself, that's the job. Everybody loves the preacher. <laughs> you ain't been a preacher. Let me tell you something. I bet you more people like the colon than they do the brain, generally speaking. Everybody, anybody ever uh, had trouble sleeping at night because of their colon? Couldn't turn, I couldn't turn my colon off, maybe occasionally, right? But generally, it's your, maybe your stomach, but generally, it's your brain, right? You lay awake at night, I can't get to sleep, I just tossed and I turned, and I'm dealing with stress and anxiety. Uh, you know, I wish it was my colon bothering me, but it's not. It's the thought of the opportunity missed or the job that I lost or the people that I prayed for and the bad things still happened to them. The brain is no picnic either. The good news here is to earnestly desire for higher gifts is commanded. If you're a colon and you don't want to be a colon and you're tired of being a colon, understand why you are doing that. Understand that's probably how you're gifted. But it doesn't mean that's where it ends. If you earnestly desire, those are Paul's words, earnestly desire, you'll find that in that desire, you'll learn to love the gift you've got more or a new gift will arrive. But you'll find peace there. People that have a spiritual gift of writing letters. My wife's an excellent order, or an excellent writer. I tend to speak better than I write. She tends to write better than she speaks. She feels more comfortable, rather, putting words down on paper. That's a gift that I don't have. I get sidetracked. I put 10 words down. I'm like, I don't even remember what I was talking about. It's easier for me to just wax and let somebody else write it down, for better or worse. But I'd say tons of things I regret saying. When you write, that doesn't happen as often. 
But when you write something and you want to do it, she said it to me a number of times, it's easier for me because I put it all down. Then I can be considerate of the full thoughts. And some of it I go back and edit it, and I end up with something that's a cohesive thought that clearly communicates what I wanted to say. It takes me two weeks to do that by muttering out loud and taking things back and restating and clarifying it and making people mad over and over and over again rather than just putting it all together and putting it down on paper. It's not always better to be a mouth. Sometimes it's much better to be a hand that can write that down slowly. Do it right. Take the time. Make it meaningful. But if you as a hand desire, I want to be a better speaker. I want to, Lord, but I don't know if that's what I'm called to do, then spend time in that space. Help me understand, God. Let me learn about what what we see in the Bible with regards to people speaking. Maybe I don't need to speak. I've come to the conclusion that that's not even a higher calling. I don't care what the church says. I don't care what all the people tell me. I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing, and I'm happy to do it. And then it ends here with what I think is a great cliffhanger, a still more excellent way. Curious about that? Tune in next week for the big reveal. But you go ahead and read for yourself if you can't stand away. It's fine. It's all there. It's been published. Go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 13 if you like. But Paul's going to get into what he considers a still more excellent way in light of a functional body and spiritual gifts abounding. All right, so let's, let's cap it up here. Spiritual gifts and body parts. Five things we're going, to, we're going to touch on here. Things we could do. Number one, evaluate your gifts and the gifts of others. Evaluate where your gift leads you to serve. Be active and exercise your gift. Know that without the gifts and service of others, our church will die. And strive to serve God in the best way possible. We're going to dive in on these these five points. So evaluate your gifts and your gifts. This goes all the way back to the beginning of this chapter. Christian authority is from the word of God alone. It isn't from a charismatic teacher. It isn't from an excellent orator. None of that matters. At the, at the end of the day, it's the Word of God. Insofar as the gifts, your gifts and the gifts of others, elevate the name of Christ, glorify the name of God, communicate the Word clearly, divide it rightly, fantastic. <laughs> you, you don't need to spend a lot of time worrying about that. But if this starts to, 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 to waver, if all of a sudden things start creeping in, that starts to sound a little bit more like Jesus is cursed. And no one's ever going to stand up here and say, Jesus is cursed, and I'll tell you why. But they'll say... Jesus and something. Well, if, if I need something to go along with Christ, then that means Christ is deficient in that area. And what do we know? If, and we know nothing else. It's that Christ is deficient in no area. He was perfect. Everything we need for salvation and eternity is taken care of by Jesus Christ. There's nothing that man is going to add to this to make it sweeter or better. Everything's a curse compared to Christ. Everything. So if someone starts to sprinkle in some other idea, we've well, got to bring this along, warning, and even in our own gifts. Likewise, nobody will have the gift of theft or deceit, right? I have the gift of gossip, the gift of gab, or whatever. Well, careful, right? It's, we're called not to do that. No one's going to be gifted in sin. Now, you could be gifted in sin, but it's not from the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you that. If you're like, nobody steals or lies like me, well... Great, but that doesn't mean that's something we want in the body. There are plenty of things in the human body, examples of which we can cite endlessly, that are not favors to the body, that can destroy the body. Things like cancers, diseases. All right, those can get in there and emulate body parts and look tricky and confuse our immune system and kill us. We want to be mindful of that stuff in our church body. We got cancer roaming around. We got COVID-19. That's a terrible example, I guess. But if we've got problems 
We've got to deal with it. We want to be aware of it. We need to know what's supposed to be here and what's not supposed to be here and get rid of the stuff that's not supposed to be here. Test our desires against the word. If you desire to do something in the church, you don't feel like you've got a gift, you feel a strong pull in that area, test that. Is that something I should be doing? Is it right for me to be doing that? Is it a timely thing for me to be doing that? Test it. And after you've got your gifts and you feel like these gifts that I've got, these are spiritual gifts, and I understand I can use them, then evaluate where you are led to serve. In James, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This is cited a lot incorrectly in some regards, but what he's basically saying is if you're a believer truly, then works will, will, will spray forth from that belief. Your faith in Christ will move you to works in the name of Jesus, good works for the Spirit. You don't do the works and then get saved. I want to be real clear about that. You don't do the works and then get the spiritual gifts. You get the gifts, and then we're expected to use those gifts and do the work. Faith without works is dead. Spiritual gifts without spiritual works is also dead. That's what Paul's saying. We've got to do it. Find a place to serve. If you've been given a gift, serve God with it. That's why it's there. The spiritual gift we've already established comes from God for the common good, all by which we can glorify God. The common good, the good there, is the glory of God. If you don't know how to serve God, start serving mankind. When in doubt, help your neighbor. Jesus broke that down beautifully. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. There, do that. If you can do that very well, you're going to have a hard time not figuring out how to serve God as a believer. I don't know where to start. The church is so big. There's so much to do. Great. Find a neighbor. Minister to them. Care for them. Pray for a congregation member that's in distress. Help somebody out that needs help. Start there. What gift do you have? Well, I do like to cook. Cook. Cook, 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 cook. Provide food for them. See what happens. I, I like to clean. Okay, go, go clean for them. I mean, is cleaning a spiritual gift? Oh, sure, why not? If the Spirit can give me life and breath, He can give me the, the, the love of cleaning. By the way, I wish the Spirit would give me the love of cleaning because I do not have that spiritual gift, if that is indeed a spiritual gift. There's other chapters that will go into great depth about the, the spiritual gifts listed out. Um, but <clears throat> I, I don't want to get into that too awful much because I'm not interested in making a checklist about the spiritual gifts. Know that there are some that are very specific. But any gift that you could leverage for somebody else that is, that is something that you now know I know this is not of me, but this is of God. God has given me something, a passion for this. And I see according to the word that this can be used for God's glory. I'm going to do it. That is a spiritual gift. Go use it. Be active. Now you've got a place to serve. Be active. Exercise your gift. Use it. If you don't use it, you lose it. I put a smiley face there because I don't know if that's true. It's not necessarily said here. But certainly we should be using it. Right? Paul's imploring us to go. Find a place to serve and then serve. Not once a year. Not every 15 seconds necessarily either, but be active. Use that gift. Get active in a congregation. Find a place to plug in. There's tons of opportunities for service. And if not, you've got a gift, let us know. We'll find something, right? We're certainly not interested in taking a body part that does nothing. We don't need a bunch of appendices. We need folks that are going to be active here. And I think the body of Christ, what we see is, oh, yeah, God's doing what needs doing. Let's get plugged in. The blessings flow both ways when the Holy Spirit's involved. If anyone's ever done any kind of service or mission work or anything like that, it's extraordinary how this works. You go out to do something for God, and you commit to it rightly. This isn't about me. This is about you, God. I'm going to do the best thing. And you come away from that feeling like somehow you stole something almost. Like, I feel, I feel like I got ministered to. Well, that's, that's the, the beauty of the grace of God. 
You don't necessarily have to feel drained and exhausted when you're doing the work of God. Will you sometimes? Yeah. Sometimes you'll find yourself in prison, beaten and chained up maybe. Okay, maybe that's where it's led to you. Paul's well aware of that. But also what we find in ministry is when we are able to find that sweet spot where we're leveraging our gifts, we start to feel more fulfilled by doing the thing that we were called to do and imbued by our Creator to do for His glory. Know that without the gifts and service of others, our church will die. It's easy to think too highly of ourselves. Everybody's heard that before. But it's also easy to think too lowly of ourselves. The colon is critical, and due to its job, we need to remind it how much we care. It's really easy in a church to get beat up, in a body of believers to get beat up, to start beating up yourself like, well, I guess I'm not doing a very good job. I haven't heard anything. I'm trying my best. I can't really see any results, and I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing it right. Let's encourage one another. We care for the whole body for the sake of the whole body. We, we talk to all the, the colons and the ears and the eyes. We let everybody know it's one body. we got to work together. We all have to work together. I appreciate the work that's being done by everybody in this congregation. It's true. Everybody. Everybody here that's working for Calvary Heights, I appreciate. I, I care deeply for the work that we're doing. And looking forward to having more things happen in the future. As God wills it. As God grows the body. Just like he grows all of our bodies. But we got to care for that. That's an action we can take. Care for one another. Remind these body parts. Remind these spiritual gifters. That gift, I know it may not seem like, but it's awesome. And we're seeing results from it. Uh, and we're blessed that you're here. And awesome. it's so awesome that you're part of this body. And then finally, where Paul kind of capstones, is strive to serve God in the best way possible. God can move us from gift to gift. It's not over. If you're stuck somewhere today and you felt like, man, I was really passionate about this two years ago, but now I'm just so tired. And I feel like perhaps I'm not as agile in this as I once was. And I feel like it's a lot more of a struggle than it used to be. (laughs) Perhaps a new gift has arrived. Perhaps there's a new opportunity abound. He can leverage someone who seeks only God's glory to do amazing things. If it's not about you, you'll be surprised what God can do. Yes, study, learn, work, serve, and watch God work in your life. Church growth, unlike the body, church growth is unique in that parts can be repurposed as new parts arrive. In our church right now, with the the membership we have, we're, we're, we're a very efficient organization as bodies go. We're like a brain and a mouth and a couple feet and uh Hanging on by a thread in some regards with regards to body parts. Just enough to make it go. God's body works fine. But what we might find is somebody today that's a foot. Some new folks come in, new believers. And they're feeling like, man, I'm, I want to get plugged in. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm new to the thing. And really, I think probably the, the thing I'd be most comfortable with is being a foot. Just about that time, there's somebody that's been a foot says, I think, I think God's moving me to become a liver. You know, I'm going to start to take on a different job with a little bit more responsibility, more criticality. There's no backup. I'm ready to do that. We say, okay, sounds good. Let's do it. Boom, we've got a liver, a kidney or two. Here we go. We've got the heart beating, and we've got the brain working. Now we've got a liver. Here comes a few more people. Great. Now we've got, we used to have four fingers. Now we've got 10 fingers. And two of the thumbs have moved up to toes. I don't know. This metaphor is getting a bit too stretched out. But the point here is that unlike our body, I can't take my foot and make it. I mean, science 
aside. You're not going to take a foot and make it a hand. They're vastly different in the way that they function and what they do. But in the church, it's God's gig. These gifts are spiritual, meaning somebody that doesn't know anything about uh, being able to speak eloquently or whatever else might one day wake up and think, I feel like I'm called to serve. Can I talk? Can I, can I do it? Would you guys come in and sit down and, and listen to me preach and tell me what you think? It's something like, oh my gosh. Like, it seemed like it's like, it's, I, I don't know. It's just, it's easy. It's easy. It's something that I feel like I'm led to do. I feel like I've been gifted to do this. I've never tried it before. I always struggled in school, but it's different with the word of God. Okay, awesome. Looks like I've got a new mouth. Who am I to say? Compare it to the world, or compare it to the word. Is it good? Is it right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand the, the, the charge here, and I want to be held accountable, and I, it's not about my glory. And, all right, that's fantastic. God has done it again. God has taken a hand and turned it into a mouth, and now we've got somebody else that can sit in the pulpit and proclaim, and then a, a former mouth that's voices hoarse or suffered something and they can't speak as well, they can move right back down to being a hand because God is good all the time. So what about us? Rubber meets the road. If you don't know Jesus or the Holy Spirit, you do now. I've talked a lot about it today. But if you want to know more, holler at us. Office, Calvary Heights, um, uh, .org. Send us an email. We're on Facebook. Um, find us here in the town of Martinsville, wandering around. You never know. We want to talk to you about this. Don't leave today thinking, well, you know, I prayed about gifts and I never got any, so I don't think I'm even saved. That's not true. Gifts come from the Spirit for God's glory. He'll give them and He'll take them and He'll do what He needs to do. If you're looking for a body to be a part of your home, we'd love to have you. In this church, we don't have the prescription of what a body of Christ looks like and that's it. God will, will create, can create and, and, and transmutate our congregation as He sees fit. We will go where God has enabled us to go and serve where He has enabled us to serve. If you're a part of this body, but you're out of shape, God's grace is enough to restore you and us. If you feel like all your gifts have atrophied and you've given up and I don't know what to do or where to do it, and I'd love to get it plugged in, but I don't know where, uh, and I think God's forgotten about me, it's not true. God's grace is enough to restore you and us, bring it all together, get the body working again. The most atrophied church body can be completely restored by God. Just like that. He does it all the time does it all the time. So if you're part of this body, uh, be prayerful of how we can get that restoration started. We want to get plugged back in. We want to get people serving again and exercising these gifts and, and enjoying the power of spiritual gifts and seeing them manifest and amazing things happen from them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, in some regards, the, the challenge of spiritual gifts how they could be difficult maybe to understand or discern, maybe overwhelming. Maybe we feel like we've gotten gifts or we've been charged with tasks that we're not gifted for. We're given gifts that we're not excited about or uh, we're, we want other people's gifts and we want different than we were tasked to do. And things like this destroy relationships in the churches, Lord. I pray that as a congregation, we can learn to understand that as a body, we all have to work together. The body is the members. The body of Christ in this church are the people that make up the body of Christ. That's it. And those people are going to be gifted in various ways, and we need all of them doing what they're gifted at to be able to raise new people up and help them find out what they're gifted at and, and let people try two or three different things before they find that which feels 
right for them and feels that, that I'm, this is what I'm best equipped to serve him. Lord, you know exactly what's going on and your word is very deep in this regard, but some of this is going to be us having to take the time to work together, to pray together, to care for one another so that we can hone our spiritual gifts as, a, as one body. Obviously, Lord, the goal is to glorify you, not ourselves, not our church, not our city, not our families. You, Lord, help us understand that our gifts are for everybody around us and that through the, the use of those gifts for those folks around us, we see you getting all the glory.